So today, I want to talk with you about how you can live to prove to God just how thankful you are for his amazing grace. How in the world can we let our God know that we are so thankful for that river of grace, that river of blessing that he continuously flows into the life of every one of us as believers? But first, before we do that, I want to start with this question and write this down. How can you get God's grace? How do you get God's grace to flow into your life? How do you get God Almighty to give you grace instead of the punishment you and I all deserve for our sins? How do you get holy God Almighty to give you a break, (laughs) to give you a pass, instead of what you and I deserve for our sins? How do you get God Almighty to stretch out His hand and send you a blessing instead of what you really deserve? How do you get the river of God's grace flowing in your direction, into your life, into your household? How does that happen? Here's the answer. Write this down. By putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Folks, that's it. You don't need any other theological explanation. It's just that simple. By putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And God made it simple so that everyone could experience his grace. You see, to get grace flowing into your life, you don't have to religiously and perfectly perform some set of rituals. To get great God's grace flowing into your life, you don't have to discover some hidden code in God's word. God didn't want to make experiencing his love and grace hard for us to do. To get his grace flowing into your life, you just put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you start following him. And you start obeying him. The Bible says this, The law was given through Moses, but here it is, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So if you know the law, if you know the Ten Commandments, all the do's and don'ts to get God's grace, which is what we call the law, God sent to us through Moses, and we messed up as a people, (laughs) as humans. We couldn't keep the law. And Jesus, understanding that we could never keep the law, gave his perfect life in our place, to pay for all the ways that we broke the law with our sins. And then Jesus says, whoever believes in me, whoever puts their trust in me as their God, as their Savior, I will let them not perish, but instead I will give them everlasting life. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. That's grace. That is grace, but you can only get God's grace, understand, in one place. You can only get it from Jesus Christ himself. God the Father sends his grace only through Jesus, like he sent the law through Moses. He sends God's, his own grace through Jesus. So here's the deal. If, If you don't get it through Jesus, you don't get it. If you don't get grace from him, you're just not gonna get grace. You can be baptized, you can, you can take communion, you can, you can do all kinds of things, you can serve people, you're not going to get the grace of God without a relationship with Jesus and through his name. So you don't get God's grace flowing from God's hand into your life 
just because you decide to do something religious or because you keep some set of Christian rules or because you perform some ritual like baptism or communion. No, you only get God's grace by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says. Now, we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends of God. So here's the deal. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ to pay for your sins with his life on the cross, when you trust him to wash away all of your sins as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, when you put your trust in Jesus to wash your soul and make you cleaner and purer and whiter than snow, he does all of that. And then he does something else. And then he presents you to God the Father, holy God. And God the Father accepts you, and he adopts you into his eternal family. And you then are a friend of God. You are no longer an enemy of God, but a friend of God. And it's then that God the Father, through Jesus Christ, begins to let his river of grace begin to flow into your life. Anybody experience the grace of God? Anybody? Come on. <laughs> yeah. He begins to let his river of grace flow into your life again and again and again and again. And you mess up and then you repent of your sin and here it comes again. Amen. His grace just keeps coming. And his grace flows into your life simply because you put your trust in Jesus, the one who loves you more than you could ever imagine. And the Bible says this, this is how we know what love is. Now, the world tries to tell us what love is, don't they? But the Bible says this, this is what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, for us. Now, that is love. Giving your life to pay for somebody else's sins, that's love. Listen, Jesus loves you so much that he decided and he chose of his own free will to pay the penalty of your sin. So you will never, ever, ever, ever have to pay for your sin. When you die, when you take your last breath, you close your eyes and you find yourself standing before God, you won't have to pay for your sins. Amen? <laughs> Aren't you glad? I'm elated. You guys don't seem too happy. <laughs> Man, we don't have to pay for any of our sins ever. And he loves you so much that he then also broke the power of sin. You, by the power of Jesus who is in you, can now say no to sin. Sin is no longer your master. You are not a slave to sin any longer. By the power that's in the name of Jesus, when you are tempted, you can say, no, I belong to somebody else. Jesus is now my master, and Jesus has the power, if you will turn to him in that moment of temptation, to keep you from stumbling to that sin. He has the power. He broke the power of sin. Now it's up to you to say, no, I follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. And then Jesus loved you so much that he also did something else. He then paved the way for sin to be pummeled, pummeled forever. A day is coming when Jesus is going to once and for all crush Satan and crush sin once and for all. And that means that you and I will get to enjoy a sin-free eternity on a new heaven and in, on a new earth. And all of God's people said again, amen. No more temptation. No more sin. Joy and happiness and peace with our Savior and with each other. 
heard about a story about a prison, actually, near the city of San Juanapos in Brazil. And there's a prison there that's beyond belief. Years ago, the government turned it over to a group of Christians. They, the government couldn't make things happen. Inmates weren't being restored. And so they turned it over to a group of Christians, and they said, you can run this prison even on Christian principles. So, so the Christians went in, they cleaned up the prison, and they renamed it Umanita. Now, with the exception of just two full-time staff members, get this, the prison is run by the inmates. All the work is done by the inmates. Families outside the prison adopt the inmates and counsel them and coach them during and after their term. On a visit from Chuck Colson, who is the founder of Prison Fellowship Ministries, Chuck said, I found the inmates when I visited smiling and especially the murderer who was my guide. <laughs> Wouldn't that freak you out a little bit? <laughs> and when I walked in, he said, I saw men at peace with themselves and with God. I saw clean living areas. I saw people working. The walls were decorated with scripture. And then, he said, my guide took me to the notorious cell that was once used for torture. And he told me, this cell houses just one inmate. When he put the key in the lock, he paused. He said, Mr. Colson, are you sure you want to go in? And Chuck Colson said, of course, I've been in isolation cells all around the world. So the murderer guide opened the door, and Chuck says, I saw the prisoner that was isolated in that cell. He said it was a beautiful crucifix of Jesus that had been carved by the inmates. And then he said softly, the guide said softly, the prisoner here is Jesus. He's doing time for the rest of us. Amen? He took it all upon himself for us. That's how much he loves us. And the Bible says this, you are familiar with the generosity of Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, seated in heaven, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he came to earth and became poor. Because of what he did on the cross, we became rich. Folks, the word grace really means God's riches at Christ's expense. We get to experience all of God's riches because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. We get to receive God's river of grace flowing into our lives. But we need to understand that Jesus paid a high price so that we could get the grace of God. Jesus had to pay a price for us to get that. So in light of all the amazing grace that God has given to us and he's given to you, what should be your response? How do you respond to this river of grace that keeps flowing? River of forgiveness, river of provision, river of blessing. How do we respond to that? Write this down. How can you thank God? For his grace. I mean, how do you thank God anyway? <laughs> how can you spend the rest of your life thanking God for giving you grace you didn't deserve? How can you and I thank God? Well, we can how, how can, how can we prove to him that we are thankful? 
How does that happen? Well, here's two or three ways that you can use. Write this down. First of all, by using your gifts to serve Jesus. Use your gifts to serve Jesus by serving others. Use your gifts. You see, you can take on the role of a servant. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And we're to be like Jesus. And so you can take on that servanthood role like Jesus. You can, you can be the hands of Jesus today. You can be the feet of Jesus today by, by going and serving others just like Jesus did. You can carry his work on throughout all places in this, on this planet. You can be the hands and feet and compassion of Jesus Christ using your gifts, whatever they are, teaching, encouraging, helping, serving, what, 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 building, whatever they are. You can use your gifts for other people. But lots of Christians are just not willing to use their gifts to serve others. But look at what the Bible says. Don't you see that you can't keep on living however you please? squandering what God paid such a high price for? So let people see God in and through your body. Folks, Jesus paid a high price to make it possible for your sins and my sins to be forgiven, for us to be adopted into his family. But now he does not want you to waste your time or your gifts. He wants you to use your gifts for the family business. You see, Jesus left behind a family business, amen? <laughs> a business to run, and that business is to make more and better disciples that follow him. So he left behind this business, and he wants you to so serve others so they can't help but see the love of God flowing out of you. So as God flows love to you and grace to you, he wants you to flow love and grace to others. And they turn around and say, I've never seen any love and compassion and grace like this. Where do you get all that? And you say, my Lord and Savior, Jesus. And they, they, they see God flowing in you. And when they see that, they'll want to experience that too. The Bible says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Folks, the scripture and God is telling us today, don't squander your gifts. Use them to pass on God's grace to others. And as you do that, you're proving to God that you are thankful for the grace that he has given to you again and again and again. Say it with me. And again and again and again. You're proving that you are thankful when you use your gifts to serve others. Use your gifts to carry on the family business, building the family of Jesus Christ. Here's the second way. You can prove to God that you're thankful for his grace by using your resources to provide for God's work. Now, if you want to measure how good of a job you're doing at proving your thankfulness to God for his grace, just look at your giving to God's work. That's a great way to measure. The Bible says each one should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not just when the pastor tells you and you go, oh. No, God loves a cheerful giver. And the Bible goes on to say, and God then is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, You'll be able to abound in every good work. 
Now look at all the alls <laughs> in that scripture. God is willing and able to make all of those things come true in your life if you'll simply be a giver to his work of making more and better disciples. And there's no greater way to prove to God that you're thankful for the grace that he's shown you again and again than to cheerfully provide for his work. But when you give to his work, what happens? God just sends you more and more grace. Amen? The river flows even greater. And he gives you more and more blessings for your generosity to his work. And he says, I'll take care of every need you have. I grew up with my parents telling me, and I didn't understand it when I was little, Larry, you can't ever outgive God. And I've now experienced that. You cannot outgive God. You give, he gives. You give, he gives. Say it with me. You give, he gives. That's just the way it works. God loves to give. The Bible says, since God loved us enough to give us his own son, won't he love us enough to take care of every one of our other needs? And the answer is yes. But listen, folks, if we come on a Sunday and we sing about how much we love God and we sing about how much we're trusting God to be our Lord and our Savior and to meet all of our needs and be our everything, then your checkbook should show it. Should I ask for an amen here? Amen. amen. Then your, your checkbook should show it. Your giving should prove your love, your worship, your trust, your thankfulness for all of his grace. Last this morning, you can prove to God that you're thankful for his grace by using your voice to tell others about God's grace. And I'm not talking about getting up and singing a solo here. That could be that. But use your voice to simply tell somebody a story about the way that God has given grace to you. Simply be ready and be willing to tell your story. And folks, your story doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be filled with scripture. It doesn't have to be theologically correct. Just be ready and be willing to tell your story about how you were in this situation and you went to God and asked for his help and suddenly there was this river of grace that somehow came and made it all work. And how God just has over and over just blessed you and blessed you. And when, when you tell a story like that to somebody, that proves to God that you are thankful. The Apostle Paul said this, the most important thing, look at that, the most important thing he didn't say was to get married and post pictures on Facebook. <laughs> or to go travel somewhere and post the pictures on Facebook. He didn't say the most important thing is to fund my retirement or other, a bunch of other things. He says the most important thing is for me to tell people the good news of God's grace. He says, I must complete my mission, the work that Jesus gave me, and that is to tell people the good news about God's grace, about God's river of grace. That's part of your mission. And when you do that, it proves to God just how thankful you are for his grace. So this week, think about who am I going to be hanging with? Who am I going to be with at work? Who am I going to be with when I drop my kids off for school or, or soccer or whatever? Think about who are you going to be with? And in the midst of the conversation, just interject a story. Hey, guess what? This week, 
this is where I was, and I prayed, and I asked God to do this, and he showed up, and this is what happened. And they'll go on talking about other stuff. They'll just disregard everything you said. But go ahead and just drop the story into the conversation, and God will say, they're thankful. They really saw that as my grace flowing into their life, and they're appreciating what I've done for them. So how can you thank God for giving you grace? How can you prove to God that you are thankful for his grace? Well, you do it in these three ways, by using your gift to serve others, by using your resources to provide for God's work, and by using your voice to tell others about his grace. Now, we all love to be recipients of God's grace. Amen? (laughs) We all love to be at the end of the river and have the, the grace coming our direction. We all love to experience God's awesome and amazing grace. And so we constantly ask him for help. And he tells us, present your request to me, and, and they'll be done. And so we do. And so we constantly ask him, God, I need this. And we're kind of like beggars with outstretched hands. God, this is, this is what we need. And we ask him to shower us with grace and blessing and help and provision. And he constantly responds by giving us blessing upon blessing. We ask, he gives. We ask, he gives. But then, when he asks us for something that he needs, we beggars turn into what I call slappers. God, how dare you ask me to do that? God, you know I'm... And we got all these excuses. And we beggars that are constantly asking and constantly receiving from the river of God's grace, we beggars turn into slappers, and we slap him in the face and turn away. And we do that so often. We are way willing to stretch out our hands and receive from God. But we're not so willing to stretch out our hands and give to God. We want him to give what we need, but when he asks us for something that he needs, like for us to use our gifts to serve somebody, to give to his work, to tell a story, that's when we turn from beggars into slappers. No, Jesus. I'm not going to do what you ask. And we turn our back on Jesus, and we just kind of walk away. Should I ask for us to be honest right now? (laughs) We do that. It's kind of like parents and kids. It's kind of like the same thing that goes on between parents and their kids. Our kids are always coming and say, Mom, Mom, I need something to eat. I'm dying. I'm starving. Mom brings out all the stuff. Mom, I need some new clothes. School's about to start. Mom, Mom. Mom gets new clothes. Dad, it's time. I need a car. I need money for gas. Dad, fix my car. I broke it. <laughs> and the kids are always coming, and they've got the outstretched hands, and they're, they're always asking and begging for what they need. And as parents, because we love them, we give and we give and we give and we give, even in, when their attitude isn't quite right. We still love them so much, we just give and give and give. But when you ask them to do just one little thing, like be home by 11, 
like clean your room. We used to call it Saturday clean, and that means that mom could go in with a white glove. <laughs> Once a week, clean your room, Saturday clean. You ask them to do one little thing, and this is what we get. <laughs> yeah, we get an attitude. We get an unwilling spirit. We get a turn away, and sometimes complete disobedience. Folks, far too often, that's what we do to God. When he asks us to serve others, to provide for his work, to tell a story about his grace to somebody else, but instead of that, let's change all that as a church. Let's be a church that proves to God that we are thankful for his amazing river of grace. And a lot of us can think back a lot of years and we can see how God has just kept that river going. Amen? And let's just be a church that thanks him for his amazing grace. Let's prove to him how thankful and grateful we really are to our God of grace. As we close this series, I just want to say God's grace is amazing. Amen? Amen. Amazing. He should have written Larry off a long time ago. But his grace is amazing. Let's prove to God that we're thankful. Would you join me in prayer? Let's bow our heads. Maybe you'd like to pray this prayer as I pray it in your heart. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. There have been so many times I've asked you for things that I needed, and you have met my need. But sometimes when I learn what you want from me, I'm not willing to give it, or I'm not willing to do it. Father, forgive me. From today on, I will live in a way to prove that I am thankful for your grace, your amazing grace. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.